Hi, my name is Donna, and today I'm going to attempt to give you a brief overview of a recent relationship that has come to closure in my life. The purpose of this is to allow people to look in at what a real, sensitive individual with intellect and calmness can bring to the table as it relates to being in a situation where you become blindsided. About two years ago, I had um, an opportunity to meet a gentleman who resided in another state. He worked in another state and I lived in another state. So the states were New York, Connecticut, New Jersey. At the time, he wasn't supposed to be in my path, but when I met him, I immediately was attracted to him. We connected via phone for two weeks, and during that two-week process, we interviewed each other and spent a lot of time talking about what we were looking for at this point in our lives. I thought the man before me, who presented as the real deal, who understood how to honor and respect women, was in fact the real deal. He had been raised by his mom and his grandmom and his sister as a result of his father dying very young in his life. And I thought how difficult it is to lose your father at such a young age, 12, and to grow up to be the man of the house, responsible for all of the women to be tough, to perhaps not cry, and to be guided and strengthened by your own ambitions. I was very impressed with his work ethic and I was very impressed with how hard he worked. He had two boys and at the time they were young, they were nine and 11 and they resided in New Jersey. No, they actually resided in another state, Pennsylvania. So now we have four different states with four different activities. At the time he told me that the balance in his life was none. He worked six days a week and every other weekend he saw his children. It seemed aggressive and it seemed real because I knew young dads who had those types of schedules. I believed him from the beginning for every word he said to be honest and forthright. Of course he said he didn't play games and of course our connection was indeed fate and destiny, aren't they all? So, after we got through with the interviewing stage, it was very obvious that there was a connection. We started setting up our first date, and on our first date, we connected physically, mentally, and emotionally. And it just solidified that what I already knew, that in my head I was smitten with him, and in my heart I knew I was in trouble. I never really dated bad boys, but I had pretty much dated men through my life, which ended up in long-term relationships. I'm a really good judge of character, so I thought, and I usually am able to uh, separate fact from fiction and falsifications and om omissions. Once again, so I thought. So you can probably understand that there's, there's some trepidation in my so I thought. I spent the next 
two years being adored and glorified and just every waking hour from 4.30 in the morning till 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, I was the subject of his attention, his desires, from his good morning baby texts to his I'm home baby, long day, how was your day, evening texts, and in between, uh, a series of affections, whether it be poems or memes or photographs of beautiful things in front of him or in front of me. And then there were those ones that now I realize they're called love bombs and they get you to fall hard for the individual that's sending them to you. So it was two COVID years. The opportunity to get together was not as frequent during 2020 as much of us would like to have entering into a new relationship. I was optimistic, uh, pessimistic, and most of all, I'm afraid to be around uh, someone who had activities, work and living and children in three or four states. I too were was working in two states. So it was to say the least, not easy to navigate the COVID world of dating. Very new to me, the COVID world of dating. I continued on and for the most part, I would see him usually once a month, once every four to six weeks. I too worked very long hours and six days a week, sometimes seven. So it was pretty much exactly what I needed for that moment in my life. I didn't have to worry about cooking. I didn't have to worry about cleaning. I didn't have to pay his bills. I didn't have to provide the roof over his head. So needless to say, I was happy. I got what I needed as I needed for the duration of what I needed. I fell hard. My emotions and desires were such that this woman who vowed she would never consider getting married again was being asked by him three months into the relationship, would you ever consider getting married again? And think about it. We could have a house together. We could have a farm together. We could have horses and chickens and I would build you a barn and you could do your Pilates workout and have your business in the barn in a state that he resided in, not necessarily I resided in. And so I thought about it and thought I'd rather be in a relationship with someone because I would want to be there as opposed to needing to get married. And I posed that subject. Do you need to be married? Can you be there without a ring? Can you be there because your heart wanted you to be there? I was married a very long time, 35 years to be exact, in my first marriage. And so now that wasn't what I was looking for because everything has a chapter and every chapter has a different story. So I thought it would be good to just see where life would take us on our journey. I never had an opportunity to meet his family, but he told me he spoke to them regularly about me. And because it was a COVID world and because interactions were few and far between him and them, they were far away from me, much more removed. I continued on in this relationship and I loved the way I felt. I was energized morning, noon, and night. He was the wind underneath my wings. He gave me reason to feel alive, loved, and um, wanted and desired. And uh, our conversations were on life, on children, on work, on hopes and dreams and fantasies. And just the connection that we had was rare, very rare, amazing and we were gonna to be together for the next 50 years. And everything I did, what small things I did do for him, how much he appreciated them. 
and um, always good morning baby how you doing today baby always how was work today always checking in throughout the course of the day and so as time went on i was pretty pretty strong that this was the real deal i during the course of the last two years he had talked about a particular community in new jersey that he happened to love that he was looking for a home i often said to him on his day off what are you going to do today and he would say oh there's a house i'm going to look at and over the two years, house prices increased and supply and demand and buyers and sellers, were, it was everybody was scrambling to get the best deal with interest rates, etc. So the price points of houses were somewhat stretching beyond what his original price point were and stretching beyond what he wanted to use for monies for down payments and the house that he wanted. I remember early on, he showed me a home. It was huge. It had 6,500 square feet, five or six bedrooms, five or six bathrooms on four acres of land. And when I looked at it, I thought, who buys a house this big when you only have your boys every other weekend? And I said, that's a huge house. That's a lot of property. And his response was, I want to have my boys there. I want to have a pool. I want to have my mom, my sister. I want holidays there. I want you there. I want my life. Living in a two-bedroom apartment after eight to ten years, I'm so tired of this kind of living. And I understood that. I truly understood that. He had been divorced. He had lost a lot in his divorce. And like many, we all have to rebuild and start all over again. In his last eight to ten years, he was in the rebuild mode. Occasionally, we would talk about who was in our past. Not a lot of time, just maybe five minutes here and there. And I, I believe at one point in time, he asked me if I had ever, have ever dated a married man. And my experience with that was very limited. I had not. And I asked him the same question. And he indicated that he had dated someone who was in a difficult relationship and that he cared for her. And I never asked what happened, whether she got divorced or they never made it together. I never asked because my philosophy was whatever happened in the rearview mirror was in the rearview mirror. It didn't need to be brought out to the front mirror unless it affected my future with him. So having been married so long myself, having had my history of uh, relationships, five years, eight years, 30 years. I, I had been a serial long-term relationship gal. So I was traveling slowly into uncharted waters, COVID stuff. About a month ago, I um, was in Florida for the holidays. And I was thinking of what that community looked like at Christmas time. Given I was experiencing warm weather, I thought, oh, I wonder what this community looks like now. Uh, it's a village. Does the village have Christmas lights? Is it old fashioned? Is it quaint? Is the community just alive differently than big cities? So I was looking at the village and looking around and Googling different places. And for some reason, I decided to Google his name in the village. Lo and behold, up came a real estate transaction. He had purchased a home four months earlier, a very large home, almost $900,000 to be exact. It was exactly the home he wanted, the exact home that he had talked about raising his family, the pool on a lake. Odd because the boy doesn't swim and odd because he doesn't boat, but it was everything that he I knew he would want for his kids. As I was looking at the purchase, it showed it was purchased by two people. 
and there was a woman's name on it. A little in shock, a little surprised. Ironically, within minutes, he texts me from work and said, hey, how's your day going? Are you getting a flight out? My flights had been canceled because of COVID issues with airlines and air, air traffic control, etc. And my flight was delayed two days. So I was stuck in Florida for an extra two days. So I said, yeah, I'm probably going to fly out tomorrow. And I said to him, hey, are you still looking to buy a house? And he said, off and on. And I thought, off and on is an unusual choice of words. Most people I know, when they say those three words, they say on and off. So I looked at the words and he was very good with words. He always paused and thought, and his words always flowed so well educated, so well for where he was whenever we were speaking. And so I said, be honest with me. Are you still looking for a house? Of course there was crickets. I hate that word. Now I know very well what it means. I usually use the words radio silent. So I did a screenshot of the purchase of the house and sent it to him. And the crickets became so quiet and the radio silence became deafening. I waited about 15 minutes thinking, he's at work, maybe he doesn't know what I just sent him. And then I sent him a text and said, obviously there's another side to your life that I need to hear about. And it would be great to catch up on this. I need to have some information. Please give me a call tonight. As expected, that evening I didn't get a call back from him. So my sense was that what I had found was him. And there was a problem with him explaining what was going on in his life. The next day I was going to be flying out late, late morning and it happened to be his day off. So I wrote him an email and said, four or five paragraph email, probably long worded, on how I felt hurt and not honored and not respected and how could he have been the real deal and promising 50 years of a life together and everything that we had spoke about, hopes, dreams, ideas, beliefs, how much love he had professed for me through those two years, how much he had talked to me about how special our relationship was. Always amazing, always epic, always the real deal, always a very rare connection, destiny, fate. The email had a lot of sensitivity as it was from my heart to his mind, from what my feelings were to obviously what his feelings couldn't have been. I tried desperately to put in the closing power a lot more class to the ending as it related to, I hope that your life and your future in your new home bring you much happiness for a life hard that you work hard for and for long hours. I obviously couldn't have provided you what you needed, although the whole time I was with you, I thought I understood your posture and us walking through life together. Perhaps you had gotten into a situation where you couldn't remove yourself from our relationship and it got out of control. I wish you nothing but the best. I hope you and your family stay safe during these trying times. No need for drama. I will need to spend some time having my head and my heart catch up. And basically, they are hurt and they need to catch up to one another. I wasn't expecting him to respond. 
but I was expecting to hear something. You don't do that to a human being that you have professed undying love and devotion for two years, that they are special to you, that they have made you a better man, that you are so much more grounded than you were before and that life has a different hue to it as a result of that person being in your life. I never in a million years I would ever want to bring the information to the other woman and there was research. I started researching everything I could about her and uh, it was hard. It took me about two weeks to get a synopsis of who she was, where she was, at what point in her life she was in. And that in itself is a different chapter entirely. So I'm not going to go on that chapter right now. I did research, lots of searches. I was reviewing everything. I couldn't find a social media presence. I couldn't find a LinkedIn app profile. It was as if she existed, but she didn't exist. And through some hard work and energies, I did find more information. The woman did not use her full name. She used her first name and middle name. And now we're talking three weeks past the original date of discovery. And one quiet evening, I put in her name on Facebook and up popped her picture with his picture. Ironically, it was a picture he had sent me the same day he sent it to her. And then a couple of more pictures of them together. So there was about four pictures from November through December. It was gut-wrenching. It was like somebody took a, heart, a knife and stabbed me in the heart. I didn't cry. I looked at her and I separated her from him. And I looked at him and thought, she's a victim. She's no more a victim than I am, no more or less. And who are you? Who are you that you are preying on two women simultaneously? When did she come into your life? Who's the other woman? Am I the other woman? Or was she the other woman? It was crazy. I couldn't even figure that out. I couldn't figure out the timeline. And I, I honestly think it really wasn't important for me to figure out the timeline. All I knew was I had been blindsided. And all I knew was everything I had felt in my heart was real. But everything I had read about that he said was somewhat narcissist, sociopath, psychopath, pathological lying. It's hard to look at an individual that you've shared two years of your life with and realize what was fact, what was fiction, what was just there, just to what reason, why. There was no financial reward for him being with me. There was no financial reward for me being with him. While we both had our own money, we were independent of each other. I, I was puzzled. I didn't understand it. I was really puzzled. My, my close friends, they all tried to understand. Their, their response was, we told you there was something wrong. We told you there was something. I don't need, and I told you, I always say I'm a grown-ass woman, and I can put on my big girl panties like the rest of them. And if Target's having a sale, I will go out to Target and buy a dozen big girl panties and make sure I wear them all together so that, I have, that I'm strong to travel in my next phase of my life. I started talking to a couple of people. I ironically had a brand new client three weeks after my discovery. She was an attorney. Of course she was a divorce attorney. And I asked her, 
What do you think about the men in general? Do you think most men lie? What's the statistics on that? And her response was, most men lie, Donna. 99.5% of men lie. When we're doing discovery, we find profiles on various um, dating sites, anonymous profiles, married men on these sites. And I thought, how is a woman supposed to be able to identify who's real, who's not, who's married, who's in a relationship, and who's the person before her that she thinks, this is my next love. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized I needed to have a voice. I needed to have the voice not with the other woman and not with him because I wasn't getting answers to any of my questions. Although I wanted closure, I knew closure wasn't going to happen this way. I knew I had to come to the table and speak on my own behalf about how dating, in-person dating and not online dating and dating in general is very difficult. So I'm sitting here today doing this trial on podcasts that I want to share with communities, not just one community, many communities. Ironically, I have a business plan that I'm rolling out in 2022 and uh, phase five of the business plan was podcasts. I've actually escalated phase five to be phase one because my launch is going to be with my story. There is still another chapter to be told. So stay tuned.